All right, Cleveland, man, I want to thank you guys for joining us for week 37 of Voice of the Fans, man. Week 37, Cleveland, can you believe it, man? It just keeps going. It just keeps going and going and going. Right on, bro. It's always an inspiration and good opportunity to uh, talk about the sports world. Well, let's talk about uh, this is week 37. Let's talk about some of the guys who were 37 best. Um, first guy to come to my mind is that Alabama running back, Sean Alexander. Did you know he went to Alabama, by the way? I did, way before the Nick Saban era, but, yes, he, he was part of the uh, Crimson Tide tradition. Okay, okay. But, yeah, he went on to win the Player of the Year, NFL MVP. I'm sure you're familiar with his work, aren't you? Oh, oh, one of my favorite running backs of all time because I, I always appreciated, unlike other folks, that, uh, you know, were always trying to have Sean try and make something out of nothing. You know, there were, there were instances where Sean just made a business decision, like, wow, we called that play and nothing happened, and here comes this 360-pound man about to follow my face, and hey, man. Why don't I just fall down? Or why don't I just run out of bounds? And hey, man, we'll just try and bat again. We can even run the same play. But hey, man, that time we tried it, it just didn't work. But I, I have confidence that we can do it again, execute a little bit better, and have better results. And Sean was not shy to say, hey, man, it worked. So, uh, so I, I take it you're okay with. Franco Harris running out of bounds too when he donned the Seahawks uniform. I mean, when we're talking about Franco Harris, come on, we're talking about when Franco was, you know, 12, 13 years into the league and, you know, when the league was a lot more violent. So, yeah, I'm okay with him doing it as well. But, I mean, Sean did it with a little bit more of a purpose. And let, let us not forget. Mr. Alexander did one time rush for 1,880 yards, 28 touchdowns in the NFL MVP going to the Super Bowl. So, season just some guy. No, it was the next year that he started uh, taking the knee <laughs> and kneeling down when the Sixers came. It was the year after that. He, he he got his peak and then just quickly came back down the hill. But I did like that. I was a fan of Sean Alexander in Alabama, and then I was really surprised that his running style kind of changed and morphed into what it became. Uh, Another number 37. Well, what's another 37 that you remember, actually? You know, of all of my memories of uh, a really dominant number 37, Sean Alexander was really the only one that really, really comes to mind that really kind of sticks out as far as you know, dominant players. Um, you know, there was the cat over there in, in Oakland with the stick'em and on the other side of uh, you know, you know, Tatum and Atkinson, you know. Mr. Lester Hayes, if you, you, need if you to, will. You need to put some respect on that kid's name, uh, Lester Hayes. <laughs> oh, oh, he was a deal. He, yeah. he, he, he was a, a definite beast, and 
I don't I don't know that I think there's he's on par with uh, Sean Alexander. Lester Hayes was the guy that first came on my mind, but obviously Sean Alexander doing it for the two oh six kinda rings a little louder. However, Lester Hayes was a beast, no doubt. Uh Mr. Stigham, Mr. Lockie down. Um on the other side of Tatum, whew, that was a ferocious defense there. Um you cannot discredit Mr. Uh, Lester Hayes at all. Uh with this being uh, May sixteenth, number sixteen um, we're doing week 37, so we just round out the top guys to war number 37, Cleveland. The Warriors just went up 2-0 on the Trailblazers. Now, the Trailblazers were completely unimpressive in game one. Came back today, looked like a little bit more impressive, a little bit more in tune with the game here. However, they ran out of, pay, ran out of gas there in the second half, allowed the Warriors to sneak back and, and Oddly enough, it's funny to say this, but still a game on home at the Oracle Arena. What do you think about this game, too, and the series that we see here with the Warriors and the Trailblazers? Well, kudos to the Trailblazers for, uh, you know, picking themselves up and dusting themselves off after, you know, kind of the way the game one kind of unfolded. Um, I, I won't say they didn't come to play. I think they were just a little bit overwhelmed by the the environment and, you know, the sense of urgency that comes with the Western Conference Finals, and um, they weren't really up to the task. Game two, they came in balling. Were uh, definitely controlling the game in the first half, up by 15, going into the break, came out, and those Golden State Warriors just did what they do, you know, which is why... To be quite honest with you, they are susceptible to a team that is very mentally strong. But if that team can't back it up with the ability to make shots and the physical prowess, that other team can't really win. Those guys were down by 15 going into the third quarter and coming out of the third quarter with a one-point game. That's why Golden State is susceptible because they understand that they don't ever have to really play a full game. They just have to turn it on, eye blast for a quarter, and most teams will wilt. As did the Portland Trailblazers. They were somewhat demoralized by the fact that all of that equity that they had built up was erased in less than 10 minutes. Yeah, it that third quarter was huge. I think they outscored them from like 39 to 24 or something in that range there. Um, it was pretty impressive what the Warriors continue to do. And I say game three is a must win for the Trailblazers. Is um, as close as they, well as they played in game two. Game three is a absolute must win. Moving on to the Eastern Conference series. The Greek Freak and is up on the claw. Now that game didn't exactly turn turn out that way yesterday. But what do you think about this particular matchup between the Bucks and the Raptors? And you have the Raptors winning. I must say, I let the people know that I got the Bucks winning. So what do you think about the Raptors and how what's it going to take for the Raptors to win this series? Well, first and foremost, let me clarify why I have the Raptors winning. Um, I have the Raptors winning because it has, in my estimation, it's come down to the two 
best players in the Eastern Conference, one of which has already been to the mountaintop, been an NBA Finals MVP, and the other one is just finding his way. To be quite perfectly honest with you, I think Giannis has a higher upside. Um, I think his skill set is a little bit more unique. I think Hawaii is, you know, and a lot of times the, you know, the product of the environment, what it certainly was in San Antonio to a certain extent. I mean, his game definitely travels. He's, you know, the best, you know, two-way player in the game, a lot of people think, but he's actually done it before. Giannis is still kind of, you know, getting his feet wet. So you sure this right. is the year for him to break through. So that being said, I have I have to lean the other way. I have to lean with the, with the experience and and some of that center before. That's why I think the Raptors will win. So you 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 sound like I a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't ready to give the Bucks the proper credit and respect necessary. I thought they would have to take some learning, some bumps. They'd have to lose the series and learn something and be ready to come back stronger next season. The Bucks look ready right now. Charles Barkley says they're going to win the championship. I can't, I'm not ready to go that far, but they're definitely going to beat the Raptors. They are ready right now today. Well, should I say Giannis is ready right now today. And looking at the game yesterday, I kind of, I picked the Bucks because I thought Giannis is ready. And I thought that the rest of the team, is they play a little more hungrier than the others on the Raptors. I have zero confidence in Kyle Lowry. Marcus All, Danny Green, Serge Ibaka, uh, number 43, I'm having a brain fart of his name. Uh, Siakam. And, Siakam. you know, it's, 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 it's funny that you say that because I, you know, and, and deservedly so. Kyle Lowry had not been given a, lot, a whole lot of credit for his uh, the playoff performances, uh, you know, in the past or present. No, and he's not going to. That's not, that definitely. But he's let's, not, let's 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 credit where credit is due. That dude definitely stepped up yesterday and tried to hold those guys in as long as he could. He was the only one that scored in the fourth quarter. That's kind of ridiculous when you think about it. If he is always been the missing link and in this particular game, this particular scenario, he's the only one that stepped up. So, kudos to him for being able to shake all that off. I don't know if it's a real own apparition, but he did at least do it in that game. I'm not counting on it. Yeah. I'm counting on it tomorrow or in the future. Um, oddly enough, I think the Raptors have a better basketball team. However, Giannis is, is that much better, is playing that much better. And the guys on his team, I think they just seem a little bit more hungrier, a little grittier, a little hungrier. Therefore, I give them the edge in that series. I do have the Warriors beating Portland, and looks like five games at best. But uh, we'll see how that how that shakes out. Cleveland, let's take a small break here, sir. Hello, fans. Cameron here. I want to talk to you guys about the LA News Observer and their group of newspapers that cover the Southern California market. 
They have papers in Bakersfield, Los Angeles, in the Valley, San Fernando, and San Gabriel. This paper is filled with talented writers, content that covers everything from sports to politics to current events. The website is www.ognsc.com. That's the LA News Observer. You can find it at www.ognsc.com. And Cleveland, with this being the 30, week 37, the 37th week of our show, sir, just wanted to look at some fun facts about the number 37. Thirty-seven is the smallest irregular prime number. No number can be divided into itself there, and that's the thirty-seven. And then mm. you know where you were. That's later. I'm, I'm, I'm ahead. Of, I'm getting ahead of myself. I got something else for us later. I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, Michael Jackson, he had uh, Thriller spent thirty-seven non-consecutive weeks on the Billboard Top 200 during his tenure. 37 weeks, Top 200. You know, that Thriller album was bad. You remember that Thriller album, don't you? Yeah, come on. The guy came out with the whole movie, a movie for a video, which was dope uh, back in the day, unheard of. And then Super Bowl 37. Do you know who the compactness were in Super Bowl 37? 2003, I give you, there's a clue for you. So that would have been the 2002 season. That was, that was a very, uh, that was a very odd uh, Super Bowl. That is when uh, Chucky went over to the Buccaneers to coach the team that he had just left. Yeah, yeah, exactly. After the tuck rule. After the tuck rule, exactly. So, uh, yeah, and they just dominated the uh, dominated the Raiders. Now, I think they were going to dominate the Raiders anyway because they're players that Tampa Bay had. Uh, I mean, they were a year away. If uh, the head coach, um, I can picture him. I'm having, why am I having a brain fart tonight? The the head coach. Tony, yeah, Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy, yes. If he stays another year, they win the Super Bowl that next year. Um, in that situation, I'm all—I know I'm always harping about the coaches make a difference. In that specific situation, they had too many. Their players were just too. They had too many number one draft picks, too many alpha males, too many dominant players on that squad for them not to be good. You and, know what? And I, and I and I beg to differ with you. Um, oh. I, I I still I still. A very strong comparison. What? To win, to win, Barry Switzer took over the Cowboys. But okay, okay, okay. When you listen, hear me out here. Listen, John Gruden took over, took over listen, the Bucks. Listen, listen to my point though. This is a very. I was just getting ready to compare those two squads. However. Jimmy Johnson was allowed to complete the job and win the two Super Bowls. So when they won the Super Bowl, that team 
not that they were on autopilot, but they knew they were they're all were competitive. The leaders on that team were competitive. The leaders on that team drugged the rest of the guys. They came into the last season, they didn't have the direct they didn't have the whipping sticks that they had in the previous years. So yes, they they eased their foot off the pedal. And the next year they won the coaching that coaching didn't matter. They won because they wanted to win. They wanted to prove that they were still better than the rest of the league. Becoming because they were disappointed in their performance in what was what, that been ninety four? They were you know they were disappointed in losing to the Niners, so they wanted to come back and prove to the league that they they were still the champions. And so they're the you and I probably could have been coaching that squad, Chief, and and they go for the Super Bowl. You you have to agree with that. So, so the the comparison between those two situations is not in the, in the coaching. Okay. It's, it's in the it's in the change of environment. And I've always said this: Tony Dungy, one of the most respected coaches in the history of the NFL, but a very God fearing man, and wants you always to do the right thing all the time for the right reason. As we all know. Football players are not that way, and it's hard to do that for a long period of time. You get a lot of young players that really actually weren't that way for five or six years of their start of their career, most notably Warren Sapp. Soon as Mr. Uh, Chucky, a little lighthearted, come in here, yeah, let's crack some jokes, let's we do a little bit of this. Let's get fired up. And plus, I got a, I got Keyshawn, and things changed. They had, they had the ability to let loose for a minute, kind of be themselves and be football players. Because before, with Tony Dungy at the helm, they couldn't be both. I disagree. I disagree with you completely. I'm not done here. I'm not I, done here. I disagree with you. I'm not done here. I'm not done here. I'm not done here, man. So they go out and they get the Super Bowl, but then the very next year they realize that really what they needed was all of that discipline in order to be better players, better people, and a better football team. It's just that so how season. That's just that. It's just that season of a change of scenery and environment that led to that Super Bowl. Those guys in Dallas, they were getting burned out by Jimmy. Uh, again, I disagree with you. They, 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 get, they get the switcher guy who comes in. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He just knows he needs to be a little bit looser. And they go out there and they do it, but they don't yield the ultimate result. But they had already won to, so they already know what they're trying to do. Sounds they can get it. And so, so they that, knew just to that, ignore they just ignore what Barry Switzer is doing and tap back into what Jimmy was telling it. So my my initial my initial point was, Dungy didn't wasn't allowed to finish the job. They were winning that they were going to win that Super Bowl. But could time. he finish the job? He could be, because the players. The, the, they 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 lost to that that Rams team the year before eleven to eight or eleven to six. Listen, the defense they had too many guys. They were their defense was too ferocious. They and just as you wait. They needed very little. They had they won with Trent Dilfer. He was the quarterback. Come on. 
They went with Trent Dilfer. They, 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 went, they went with Brad Johnson. Okay, thanks, Derek. Sorry, I was a year away. They they switched quarterbacks. Brad Johnson came in there one year, and then they went they won the Super Bowl the next year. But to tell you the point, my point was they won with a mediocre quarterback. They didn't need a whole lot of offense. That team was that team was a year away. The defense was so ferocious. They were a year. They were going to win that year regardless of the coach. I don't think they let Tony Dungy finish the job. Had they let Tony Dungy finish the job? And they become the champions. Then that team can run on autopilot, just as the Cowboys. Okay. What you're what you're not understanding is that they is that what they really needed at that time was a different voice. They did not. Cleveland, he wasn't there. They did. They absolutely did need a different voice. They they, they held the greatest show on turf to eleven points the year before. Could not score. It was development. They needed a year of development. They didn't. It, it really, yes. really, quite possibly the most ten, one of the top ten most dangerous defenses in the history of football. Before when they did, they won. They needed development when they made the change from uh, Dungy to Gruden. They didn't have to bring Gruden in. Gruden, Gruden just happened to be the guy that came and rolled. What they, what they, what they needed is is. Is someone that wasn't trying to walk with God, someone that was telling them, "Hey, man, go out and have a beer. Just be here on uh, on the field at eight thirty. That's not, what they needed. I'm not going to go that far. They that team that team was growing. He well, grew- look again. Look, you can look, look again. You can easily say you would say that he won with Gruden. Gruden won with Dundee's team. How can you say he absolutely did? He absolutely so, did do that. How can you now say how can you now say that? They needed a different voice. He, he put this team together. He put them. He, he made, put the, he put the team together, but he put a team together. He couldn't lead across the finish line. Totally disagree. He didn't get the opportunity to lead them across the finish line. That was all about opportunity. Really? No, no opportunity to do that. No, 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 no. He didn't get the opportunity to do that. No. Okay. So they weren't they weren't in the NFC Championship the year got fired. He did not get the opportunity to finish the job. What are you saying? You, you think he did? Okay. You think well, he did? you keep you, you keep putting an offense out there on the field that you know scores like nine points a game, and keep trying to get a bunch of football players to go to Bible study every Saturday, and sometimes you don't yield the results you would like. Wow. Some teams are a little bit more receptive to that. This team just wasn't. Give them a year off to just go crazy, just, you know, be animal house, and they did that. But it's not sustainable because they don't have a real leader. Because John Gruden is not a real leader. He's not a leader of men. Tony Dungy's a leader of men. He establishes a culture. They just needed a break. And once they got the break, they got the ring. But after that, it wasn't sustainable, in my opinion. He coached there for six years. That's I, I that's he coached in he coached in Tampa Bay six years. He built a squad. He didn't get a chance to finish the finish the squad. He built a championship team. The coach comes in after him, wins the championship team, and you're gonna say he didn't have he didn't know what he was doing. He couldn't finish the job. Get out of here with that man. I didn't I didn't get, say he didn't know what he was doing. Get, I didn't yeah. say he wasn't <laughs> I didn't say he couldn't finish the job. 
what I said was, in order for the team to get to the next level, they needed to hear a different voice. Well, I'm going to have to bring in a different voice if you keep coming on with this nonsense that you got right now. Tell us, what do you think about this uh, draft lottery that we just thought her, uh, had a couple nights ago where the Knicks and the Los Angeles Lakers were denied a stimulus package from Adam Silver and the NBA? Um, I thought it was very uh, compelling. Um, I think a lot of people had a lot of different um, outcomes in their head as far as what was going to happen. I, I definitely thought, I mean, almost a foregone conclusion to when he was going to the Knicks. I thought that first case scenario would be him going to the Cavaliers. I thought the second best place uh, for him to go would be but to be quite honest with you, the New Orleans Pelicans were never really in my thoughts. And so I think it's very ironic that the one or the biggest trading piece that anyone could offer them was something taken away from them because now Zion is, you know, going to be a Pelican come, you know, June 30th, so. You sound a little hurt by that. You sound I am a little bit. I am a little bit because it, it, it definitely changes the landscape of uh, free agency. It definitely changes the landscape of the NBA going forward, and it definitely makes the New Orleans Pelicans a lot more smug um, with regards to how they handle Anthony Davis. I mean, to be quite honest with you, I think he deserves out. I think he gave him as much as he could give him for eight years and just to keep him in purgatory because he had a contract. It's just kind of contradictory to how the NBA really actually works. Did you just say he gave him as much as he can give him in eight years? Did you just say that? Did you just utter those I did. did. There was times he played 20 minutes a game last season. There was times he sat on the bench for the fourth quarter for multiple games last season. What? How was that given all he could in for the time he was there? He gave him all that he could. He, he gave him physically, mentally, psychologically. During the fourth quarter game last season, what are you talking about? He sat on the bench, no injury. He played 20 minutes. They sat him down on the bench for multiple fourth quarters of the game last weekend or last season. How was that giving him all he can give them? How? How is that? Well, two, 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 two things. I'm he understands the commodity that he is, and he understands the situation that he's created. So why are you going to go into the game trying to make things worse? Oh, because he's a, because he, he getting paid to play basketball in the NBA. That's why. That's why he should go, maybe go in the game every, for, and play more than 20 minutes, because he's getting paid to do that. And he getting paid a pretty handsome check, also I think, um, enough to have people dress him um, if if we take his take him for his word. So I don't know. I, I, that's that's I, that's that's all that's all well and good, yeah, but I, at the so, same time, are you so saying that you can't see the point that Anthony Davis was trying to make, or? He doesn't have any leverage in the situation, or, or, or what is the point that you're trying to make? 
or over you on that. He signed the contract out of the contract no matter what. The the point I was trying to make is you said specifically that he gave him he gave the New Orleans Pelicans all he can give them for eight years. And I was just quite challenging that, saying that there were multiple games last season that he sat out the fourth quarter when healthy for uh, unknown some unknown reason. That's not giving the team all he can give them for for the time he was there. That's not. And I was just asking you to kind of help me understand how that is possibly giving the team all he can give them when he sits out the fourth quarter while healthy. Now, if it's a if it's a strategic uh, salary move or a contract move, that's fine. But that makes your statement inaccurate. That's all I want to point out, sir. Okay, but you're saying this NBA thing works, right? I mean, PG thirteen did the exact same thing. Carmelo Anthony did the exact same thing. Amari Stoudemire did the exact same thing. You just make you just you, you're trying to do the team that you're about to leave a solid, to be quite honest with you. Hey, man, look, we, we've been doing this for a long time now, and, you know, I appreciate everything you've been trying to do. It hasn't quite worked out the way either one of us would have liked. This is what I'm going to do, and uh, that's the direction I'm headed. You know, if you don't like it, I'm so sorry. Um, if the other team can't put together something that, you know, seems like a, you know, a fair amount of compensation for what it is that you're going to be losing, then, okay, well, then, Hey man, just don't go with that. But to act like Anthony Davis is the you know the villain all this is kind of weird. I mean, I, I asked you about the drop lottery, and we got we morphed into Anthony Davis. What would you do with the number four pick or the number three and four pick? Let's say who do you draft with the number three pick for the Knicks, number four pick for the Lakers? I think for the Knicks, I think it's still the best player available at that point would, would be uh, J.T. Barrett from uh, Duke at number four. That's a little trickier. Um, if I were the Los Angeles Lakers, I probably wouldn't hold on to that. Um, I just don't think you're going to get enough value for what your team looks like right now and the urgency to win. And you're not really looking for like a you know, project. So um, they've, they've mentioned Culver a few times. Um, I think they've talked about Cam Reddish a little bit. Um, so there are a few players that you know, they, they've kind of had on their radar, but I don't think anyone that will be that impactful that quickly. So um, if I were the Lakers, I'd be looking to trade that thing. What do you do with it? You're going to trade it to who and get what? What are you looking to get? It's just been, it's been a little bit of talk about perhaps Bradley Beal um, from the Washington Wizards. I've heard that. I've heard that. Players that possibly get out exactly. Bradley Beal for the four pick. Why would Washington do that? Well, there's uh, a few other players. Can that can also be included in the in the uh, in the trades, but that's just one of the players because of the contract ties that they would be trying to get rid of. So, um, from a talent perspective, as far as you know, what college players are, are going to be able to do, I don't think that they're going to be able to do that. It's a bit, um, you know, value 
for that. Because, you know, I don't, I don't really like the way the Jared Culver thing is going on. And if he's the fourth best player in the draft, this draft would not be any ways as I have safe to begin with. So Now, what don't you like about happens. I'm interested that you brought up Culver. What do you not like about Culver? I just don't think that his game is impactful enough to build a franchise enough. I, I don't think he's a kind of I just don't see him in that same light as the other three players before mentioned before him. You know, Zion and then Jai over at uh, Murray State and, you know, if he's there. So. I, I think he has the skills. He has all the – he has the talent to play in the NBA. There's no question about that. I don't know if he has a motor. I don't know if he has a hunger, the drive, the desire. I've seen him play at the Sweet 16, seen him that weekend, and that was interesting because um, I wasn't familiar with him, but he was the best player on Texas Tech team. Talent-wise, my question was the drive and the motor. That, that, that's where I would be. Um, and I don't know. Again, I'm not an NBA um out, so I don't know if that's something that can be developed or is it there and I didn't recognize it. I, I'm not sure about that. But um, that was my question about Culver. And what do you think about Rory Hachimura? I don't know. That cool? to, to be quite honest with you, um, going into the tournament, he was you know a consensus top ten pick and from every Wiley uh, projection or other draft projection I've seen since then, maybe she came down to the mid-20s. Um, I think that's kind of a mistake. Um, I think it, it, it might be the best thing for him because if he went to a team in the mid-20s, he'd be going to a team that was fairly good and could actually utilize his skills um, in a little bit different way and not have such a high level of expectation, aka you just turn my franchise around that wasn't very good um, to begin with, and not a year of this, it just makes it all happen. Um, I think that he could be uh, an extremely talented and effective player in the NBA, and um, we'll just have to see how, how you know, the chips fall. You know, it's a chance to kind of go to the uh, a little scouting combine that the NBA had to kind of see what he can do and think of some other players. But uh, I think that he would be a steal in the late 20s. Um, I think the pressure of being uh, a top 10 guy might, you know, might be too much for him. But if he was able to go to a team that had an opportunity to kind of, you know, develop him a little bit on the fly, I think he's uh, at least as good as a really Tully Stein Type of player, um, Mason Plumley type of player. Mason Plumley definitely do some things. Mason Plumley. Oh my goodness, you you're insulting Chimura by comparing him to Mason Plumley. He was balling with Denver. What are you talking about? Hachimura is going to be like uh, Kawhi Light, Kawhi Junior. Watch what I oh, okay, okay. Well, I, I, I like I like your optimism. 
Watch what I tell you. Sounds a lot like a like a like a Michael Porter Jr. type of optimism. Yeah, that sounds good. Watch what I tell you. He 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 can defend. He can he can shoot the mid jumper right now. He can defend all five players on the court. He he's gonna have to work on his ball handling and his ability to shoot from three pointer from the three point range. Other than that. That's what he's going to be in the NBA. That's my projection for him. We'll see how that transpires. So, as I said, I'm not a scout, but that's what I project for him. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the fun, fa- fun facts on this date. So let's take a little break right here, and I'll get back with you guys. Cleveland, you want to talk to the people about Euphoria the brand and uh, your spring spring launch? Would love to talk about Euphoria the brand. My brand, Euphoria the brand, offers sophisticated stylists without compromising individual expression. In addition, Euphoria has also launched a female line called Me, which caters to women who have an independent spirit like the color outside the lines. In the uh, next couple of months, we're going to come out with a few other uh, additions to the Euphoria and Wii line that definitely accentuate the expression and the individuality of the individual. At the same time, bring unity at a time when things are a little bit out of hand. Mr. Cleavon. Yes, sir. Fun fact about May 16. Wonder if you know where you were years ago, 1983. Mike came on with the glove, sparkling gloves, sparkling socks, and did the moonwalk across the stage. Motown 25, where were you at? I was in an apartment. They went on nothing. Sitting on the couch with my tables. TV turned the channel five. Sitting on the floor. Waiting all night. All these performances to see the thriller. Came with his brothers. Heartfelt tribute. And then he said, you know, that was cool. Like the old songs, but, you know, it's a new stuff. Just broke out with it, man. <laughs> he said that was cool. I like how he did because he did, he did perform with his brothers. He said, thank y'all. Now, now it's my stage. <laughs> <laughs> now it's my yeah. show. Now it's my show. And Mike went ham on him, man. That went night, ham on him. That that night, <laughs> Mike jumped and hit the the hat and threw it in the crowd. Oh, Mike! He had fans from all over the world, man. Just from that night, from that night forward, I, they were already fans. But that night forward, he had a whole new crowd of fans. So that was a special mm-hmm. night. Did, did the moonwalk 
did the spin and then just went straight to the toes. Yeah, it was it was, it was ridiculous. Um, so that was one Motown. That was Motown twenty five years ago. Mary Wells sixty four had my guy went number one hit song. That was Motown first number one song was my guy. And then uh, on May sixteenth two thousand six. Apple introduced a MacBook for the first time. So that's things that we three. So this week in the NFL, let's talk about it. My man Adam Gates goes from Miami where he was twenty five and thirty two the last three seasons. He gets signed on as a head coach for the division rival the hated biplanes of New York. And then there's some rumblings that he's unhappy with uh, what the GM is doing in signing players, signs the number one free agent running back on the list. And apparently there's some scuttlebutt about they saying the coach says he gave the player too much money. And now the coach has to coach this guy. What do you think about this situation and Adam Gates in particular? Uh, it's gotten extremely ugly. Um, I'm not quite sure why they have given Adam Gates so much power with such a uh, you know sketchy resume. Um, it's right. not like he was really lighting the uh, you know town on fire down there in Miami. Um, they had a little bit of success as the offense coordinator up there in Chicago. Kudos to you for that, but um, without it, actually, you know, touching his feet on the ground in New York, he's made some pretty drastic power moves. Um, I'm not sure if it's because the New York Jets, uh, you know, front office is vulnerable since, uh, you know, the other Mr. Johnson is able to be an ambassador under the Trump administration. Maybe the leadership has gotten a little sloppy. Um, Maybe they just let Adam Gates get into their ear and, you know, kind of talk up his philosophy as if it's the next thing since, you know, uh, Sean McVay. I'm not quite sure. It's, it's a little bit uh, much for me considering that he hasn't accomplished a whole lot in the league. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is uh, up there. Um, I just couldn't hope he continue his ability to not get along with players. Clearly he doesn't get along with anybody in the front office. And they continue the record that they have over the last uh, couple seasons. But they got a scary offense. If they had a coach, I'd be – if they got a scary team, if I they had a coach, I'd be a little bit more worried about them. Um – Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, fans. So tell me about, speaking about a former New York Jet, tell me about the Seahawks signing Geno Smith and how the 206 is in a celebrating Mr. Smith coming to town. And what do you expect from Mr. Smith? You know, I can, I can hear the uh, smugnificent uh, tone of your voice, and, and I can hear how much you're clowning. <laughs> and uh, you know we 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 feel pretty much the same way. You know that's that, that's great, man. <laughs> uh, 
Tino, Tino Smith is in, is in camp. You know, it's like, that's great, man. I mean, what else? They, that was the topic on the radio station for two hours. What, what else you guys going to talk about up there? Clearly, you're going to talk about the soccer, so. Wow. Know? I mean, I guess, I guess we could talk about that one game uh, against the Atlanta Falcons where you threw for 300 and it looked great. Right. Um, a Monday night game like maybe four years ago. Yeah, that was that was cool. He was good. Um, you know, what, what a rocket army showed at West Virginia. You know, that kind of stuff. That's great, man. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool, man. Yeah. So Patrick Peterson. All, all, the, all, the, all the real all the real twelves. That's that's about as much. Uh, you know, any juice we're giving it. Like, okay, yeah, cool, man. See you, can't, man. I, I do want to know somebody's feedback. I mean, if you guys really were high on this pickup or or what, it doesn't seem like you're too high on it. So that I'm cool. No, 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 no. What about Patrick Peterson? I mean, you guys need a, a corner up there. Any thoughts of getting Patrick Peterson on your roster? Wow. Wow. A little bit of a dig, a little bit of a low blow. Um, I guess this is coming off a of 305, I guess, having the best corner in the league. And then, uh, you know, as I say, Patrick Peterson is, is better than him. Lo and behold, he's a springer for performance uh, enhancing drugs for six games. So, man, you know, this conversation is only twofold. A, <laughs> I'm looking down the list and don't really see anybody, uh, you know, at corner that really stands out. So, okay, man. We'll just, we'll just say Xavier Howard's the best. I'll stand down from that because I'm not really seeing a lot of really glamorous names as I look through these teams. And, you know, I guess this is the heir apparent to uh, the Deion Sanders tomorrow. So, sure, man. We'll go with that for now. We'll go, we'll go with that for now. But in regards to Patrick Peterson, it's unfortunate that um, he's gotten caught up in all this and, you know, probably just trying to, you know, better his career for himself and his family. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, sometimes it's just just so. Well, you know, you got to you, – you're responsible for what goes in your system, right? Ain't that what they say? That is, that is the word. Um, did you happen to see – before we wrap things up this week, did you happen to see the J Rock Williams versus Swift Jared Hurd fight on Saturday night? I did I did not get a chance to see that. Do you tell you need to rewatch that fight and I'll leave it at that. You need to watch that fight and and bring a report to the fans. They I'm sure they want to be back on that fight. You can probably catch sports sometime this weekend, F S one this weekend, I'm sure, um, but it's a, it's it's worth watching and watch it, enjoy it. Who do you have in the Water Brazil fight this weekend? You know, I I, I gotta have uh, Deontay Wilder, man. Uh, you know, he, he's a little bit unorthodox. He, he's not always in the best of shape, unfortunately. Uh, no, he's in shape this he time. Is, he's in shape, but he is heavy-handed. Yeah, he is in, he is in shape this week, so uh, he's fighting Brazil, who's not usually in shape, and it should be an easy fight, in my opinion, for Wilder. Maybe go six innings or six rounds, excuse me. Um, that's what I'm anticipating. So we'll see how things shake out. Mr. Cleveland, I want to thank you again for tuning in or joining us for this week's session of Voice of the Fans podcast. Fans, I need you guys to please be sure to rate review and subscribe to our show that way you get every uh, show every weekend we 
publish it. And then I want to thank you guys for making our voice your choice. Thank you, Cleavon, and we'll talk to you soon, big guy. All right, bro. We'll talk soon. All right, later. Hey, man, thanks for making our voice your choice. You know how we do it. I love you. I love you.